Welcome to episode 93 of the first 40 miles. If you're new to backpacking, or if you're hopelessly in love with someone who wants you to love backpacking, then this podcast is for you. We'll talk about the essentials, how to lighten your load, and how to make the most of your time on the trail. I'm your host, Pocahontas. And I'm Shu. And this is the first 40 miles. Today on the first 40 miles, if you've ever met someone on the trail who sounds like they were named by a cartoon character, you have discovered trail names. And today we'll share everything you need to know about this fun trail tradition. Then on the Summit Gear Review, a piece of gear that will make you 10% more attractive, 30% smarter, and 98% protected from harmful UVA UVB rays. On today's Backpack Hack of the Week, a simple mnemonic for what to do during a bear attack. And we'll wrap up the show with a little trail wisdom from our good friend on the trail, Henry David Thoreau. All this, and that's about it. Today, on the first 40 miles. So you're walking down the trail, and you meet someone, and you get talking, and you say, my name's fill in the blank. And they say, hi, my name's Queen Moonracer. What is that all about? Is that a real name? Like, were they born in the 60s? Were they raised by cartoon characters? What's up with these odd names on the trail? I mean, does the trail just attract some pretty odd folks or what? Well, it attracts us. Okay, so yes. So yes. I guess so. So trail names are a fun tradition, and it seems to come mostly from the thru-hiker culture, but really can be applied to any trail experience. So I'm curious, Josh, is trail names or, you know, giving each other little nicknames, is that something that you did when you were younger, when you were in scouts? No, it wasn't. I don't remember anything about trail names when I was a scout or even being aware that trail names was a thing. I really didn't even learn about trail names until you started backpacking just a couple of years ago with me. Somehow I had completely been out of touch, I guess. You missed out on this (laughs) big part of backpacking culture. And, you know, I think it really is. I mean, it's not all backpackers. It's the through hikers, the long distance hikers, because in some ways, going on those long hikes gives you a chance to start over, to reinvent yourself, to kind of leave it all behind. And that means leaving the old you behind and uh, adopting a new name or being given a new name. I guess it goes both ways. Through hikers might take six months off. They might quit their job and really almost take on a new identity as they begin this really long hike. I guess they feel like they become a totally different person. The stuff that they focus on every day, the stuff that's important to them, all of that changes for this period of three or four or even six months. And so I guess a lot of them just like this idea of taking on a new name. Even people who don't take six months off to go on a hike, uh, a lot of times people will work all year long and then take that two-week vacation that they've been saving up all year for. And they'll do something significant, either break it up into two one-week chunks or do all two weeks at once. And so you still do get that feeling of, I'm leaving everything behind. And it might be a fun tradition just for yourself for that short trip to also adopt a trail name. And when we went on our first 40-miler around Mount Hood, the group we were with started 
oh, kind of joking about trail names. And I think each of us maybe got a few like potential names thrown at us to see what would stick. I really don't remember any of the trail names that were kind of, you know, maybe proposed for me. I, do you remember any? Well, I think maybe they threw out a few, but you were kind of like the Teflon backpacker, like nothing stuck to you. You just kind of, everyone just called you Josh. Yeah. So in the intro uh, just now, I said that my name is Shu. And that's actually hearkening all the way back to when I was a little kid. That's a name I got from my dad. And I like it because it has two meanings. One, I was always missing a shoe. So I was little one shoe. I was always walking around with only one shoe. But it also is a nice play on my name. Joshua, you know, is usually shortened to Josh. But why couldn't it be shortened to shoe? So my dad's actually the only person in the world who calls me shoe. And I don't know if anyone else called me shoe, I might not even respond to it. <laughs> but that's what I thought of when, you know, when we were preparing this episode and thinking about trail names. Oh, it even has a third meaning, you know, like a hiking shoe. Yeah, I thought it applies nicely to hiking. Very nice. So I might as well go with it, right? I love it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a name that's always been, it's always had a positive feeling for me, you know, since it. My dad gave it to me. Yeah, he didn't call you Stinky Shoe or something like right. that. Right. It's always yeah. just Shoe. Yeah. That's now, good. now, your name, Pocahontas, that did come from that trip that we did in September 2014. Right. In fact, it came from the pre-trip when we did the little shakedown. And I put my hair in two braids because I didn't know what else to do with my hair. It's just kind of this big mass of, uh. So I put it in two braids to kind of keep it out of my face. And... As we were hiking along, one of the guys that was doing the shakedown said, all right, come on, Pocahontas. And I thought that it was an insult to me at first because I thought I was being pokey. You know, like, come on, Pocahontas. But um, no, it turns out I took it the wrong way. And it was actually because I had my hair in two braids and I look like a beautiful Indian princess. I like that better than me being slow and behind everyone. That's how it goes with trail names. There's someone called Slacker because she was doing slackline stuff. <laughs> but she had to kind of struggle with that a little bit and decide if she really wanted to be known as Slacker because that has another meaning of being lazy. Mm -hmm. So, you know, yeah, sometimes, you know, you got to, and we're going to talk about this a little in the top five list, but you got to kind of lip the name, what? Emerge, emerge, stick, uh, grow on you, maybe? Yeah. Well, as we said, trail names really come from the thru-hiker culture. And a great podcast about thru-hiking is called Sounds of the Trail. In particular, episode four, which is uh, from 2015, is an episode all about trail names. So while it's not necessary to have a trail name before you go backpacking, they do add to the experience and are a lot of fun. For today's top five list, we have the top five things that you need to know about trail names. Someone might want to say that these are the five rules of trail names, but really they're not. There's no official rules. You get to make up the rules. So these are just things to know about trail names. And the number one thing to know is that trail names are a part of the thru-hiking culture, but even section hikers or the weekend backpacker can participate in this tradition. Thru-hikers typically use their trail names when they introduce themselves or when they sign in at the shelters. And it's just a fun tradition. It gives you a sense of belonging 
and gives you a chance to kind of leave your old self behind. And some thru-hikers don't even know each other's real names. The number two thing you need to know about trail names is that a great trail name usually has a backstory. A trail name is the ultimate icebreaker because usually there's a really interesting or embarrassing story or some meaningful event in that person's life that goes with their trail name. I would say nine times out of ten, the story that goes with that person's trail name will reveal a blunder or a mistake or something that we can all laugh about now, but maybe when it happened, it wasn't so funny. Like someone with the name of Skeeter Feeder is the hiker who camped near a lake without mosquito repellent or a net and woke up with over 200 mosquito bites. Not funny when it happened, but they've earned that trail name of Skeeter Feeder. Or there's the homage to John Muir, John Manure, for someone who just kept stepping in the sticky stuff. I earned the trail name Tyvek when I forgot to bring rain gear on a trip, and someone that we were hiking with had a big sheet of Tyvek that I got to wrap around my waist so that I could keep dry in a sideways rainstorm. So I actually preferred the trail name Tyvek over the other option, which was trash bag, which I also wore as part of my makeshift rain gear. (laughs) (laughs) But ultimately, Pocahontas was the one that that really resonated more with you. Uh, There was also Mary Poppins. That was cute. I did have a very lovely yellow umbrella. It was very cheerful. Uh, And my pack, I guess, was magical. I could pull pull the piano out of there. Uh, (laughs) Maybe not quite, but you had the lightest pack. You had the lightest pack on the trip, and yet you had everything you needed. Well, except rain gear. Often there is a twist of creativity, self-deprecation, and humor in the trail name that you're bestowed or that you pick for yourself. Which leads us to the number three thing that you need to know about trail names, and that is you can pick your own trail name. Most hikers believe that trail names come organically on the trail from people that we hike with, but there's no rule that says you can't just pick it yourself. And if you do choose to pick it yourself, you can find inspiration from your heritage, your hometown, your personal interests, or your skills. The number four thing to know about trail names is that it's okay to go without a trail name. It's okay to just use your real name. So don't feel all worried and upset, oh, I don't have a trail name, or that you feel maybe um, pressured into picking one or going with one. No, it's okay. And it's especially okay to just let the trail name come in its own time. It really is fine to go out nameless or trail nameless. If you go out on the heavily trafficked trails where you'll be meeting lots and lots of people, there's a good chance that a trail name will emerge, especially if you kind of put out feelers and get people's input. They will be happy to share ideas for a trail name. However, if you go on some of the quieter trails, which those are the ones that I actually prefer. You could go for miles and miles without ever seeing anyone. And then the one person that you do see, you may not ever exchange names. And if you do, they'll be fine with the name that your parents gave you. So don't feel pressured like you have to have a trail name. And the number five thing that you need to know about trail names is that if you get one you don't like, just don't answer to it. The whole purpose of trail names is just to have fun. It's a fun nickname, and if someone tries to pin a name on you that's just embarrassing or not appealing, either the name will just kind of fade away 
or maybe after a little while it'll actually grow on you and you'll come to enjoy it. Tyvek Queen or Garbage Bag easily could have stuck on you if you had accepted it, right? Right. But you were like, no, nah, that's not that's not really what I want my identity to be, <laughs> just the, because I forgot my rain gear on one trip. Pocahontas was one where, oh, initially, eh, I'm not so sure, but it kind of grew on you. Yeah. And who's to say I won't change it in a few years? I mean, you know, these things are fleeting. They're nicknames. They're silly. They're meant to just give you maybe some inspiration or a story to share with someone. They're just fun. For today's Summit Gear Review, we will be reviewing the LTM-6 Tilly Airflow Hat, also known as the Classic Hiker Hat. I've got the hat right here. And reading inside the hat, Tilly says that it is the finest in all the world. Finest? It's right there. Does it say the finest hat in all the world or just the finest? The finest. That kind of reminds me of Elf, where Elf sees that sign that says, world's best cup of coffee. (laughs) No, but the hat is awesome. It's nothing like the coffee in that movie. Right, right. The hat actually is really cool. It's legit. It's it's a legitimate piece of hiking gear. For structure, it's made of 100% supplex nylon. And it's made in Canada, just so you know. So it's really cute that inside the hat, I've got all of this information in both English and French. But this fabric is great. I can just stuff it anywhere, and it just pops back into shape when I take it out. That's true. In fact, when I was weighing this hat, the hat didn't fit on the scale. So I crushed it up and kind of used the chin strap to kind of tie the hat up in a little ball. And then when I took it off the scale, I untied it. And it was kind of this crumpled, sad looking hat for a while. And then like it bounced back into shape. I don't know how it did it. It's incredible. Well, the reason this is called the airflow hat is because it's not just strictly nylon. It has mesh around the top part of the hat that lets air flow out. So you're not going to be roasting inside of your hat. You're going to have nice circulation. For utility, this hat has great sun protection. It's rated UPF 50, 50 plus actually. 50 is the maximum. It's the top of the scale. All right. So it's somewhere beyond the top of the scale. This hat repels rain, it floats, and if it gets windy outside, there's a little chin strap so you can tie it under your chin so it won't fly away in the wind. Inside the crown of the hat is a secret pocket that Velcro's shut. So that pocket is large enough to hold stuff like cash, driver's license, maybe a phone, probably not too much more than that. Did you mention that the hat floats? Um, yes, I did. (laughs) Tell us more. Well, it's just really cool. Obviously, if you stick your cell phone inside that secret pocket in the crown of your hat, it's probably not going to float anymore, you know, with that kind of a payload. But it's great if you're near a river or a lake, some body of water, and you're down there filtering water or whatever you're doing, and you lean over a little too far and your hat falls off. Well, it's nice that it floats. That's all. (laughs) I'm just thinking of how else that could be useful. Like if you, like, say had a little mouse friend that you brought with you on a backpacking trip and you wanted to like put him inside the hat and kind of give him a little ride down the river. Hours of entertainment. Yes, you could do that. So cute. This hat comes in five different colors. The hat weighs 3.6 ounces or 103 grams. And there's a sizing guide on Tilly.com so you can make sure you get the right size hat for your head. 
For maintenance, you'll just want to machine wash on delicate or hand wash and then reshape it by hand and air dry it. Because of the amount of sweat and oil and just kind of bleh that <laughs> is on your head when you're hiking, you'll want to wash your hat frequently or it could develop some stains that are going to be pretty much permanent. And if after you wash the hat, if you feel like it's kind of lost its shape, then just hold the hat over your knee to kind of restretch it and reshape it. And then it should be back to normal. For investment, this hat costs $84. However, their guarantee is, I think, pretty unique. Tilly guarantees that the hat will not wear out for life. Like as long as that hat exists, it won't wear out. They'll replace it for free if it ever does. And then on top of that, they also insure it against loss. So if you simply lose the hat, uh, I think it's a 50% deductible. You can get another hat to replace it. Yeah. And then inside of the hat is a little tag where you can write your name and phone number. And so if your hat is ever blown off of your head and ends up tumbling down a cliff, chances are someone will find it and they may just return it to you. Or they may keep it. It's a pretty cool hat. So Josh, share your experience because you were the main wearer of this hat. First of all, I'm not a hat guy. I pretty much never wear hats. You never see me with a baseball cap. Yeah, when it gets cold out, I put on my stocking cap, you know, the beanie to keep me warm. But I've enjoyed this hat. The first extended trip that I took this hat on was uh, spring break 2016 when we did the Rogue River with the kids. And... I gotta say, for someone who doesn't wear hats, you know, it was not only me discovering what good hats might be for, um, but also really discovering what the Tilly Airflow hat is good for. And what I really liked was that when there were little sprinkles of rain coming and going, that it was keeping it all off of my face. When the sun was low in the sky, lower in the sky, not too low, uh, you know, the brim of the hat would help to shade my face, and it didn't feel too hot or too cold. Yeah, that's an interesting point, because usually, like you said, people wear hats to keep warm. You put on a hat, a stocking cap, when you're cold. And so this this hat sounds like it did a better job of temperature regulation. Right. That's how I felt about it. Like, uh, if the sun came out and it was getting a little warm, the hat was providing some shade and helping that way. Um, If it was raining a little bit, the hat was keeping me dry on my head, so I would have less evaporative heat loss. But it never felt hot under the hat. Like it was really keeping too much heat in. I felt like I had good ventilation. I really loved that I could stick this thing anywhere. So when we got in the minivan to take off on our trip, I think this hat was just in that little pocket in the door next to me. Just scrunched up. You don't even have to care about it. You pull it out and it just kind of pops back into shape. I could stuff it in my pack in any old spot in my pack and it didn't matter. Pull it out and it just pops back into shape again. So that was really, really impressive. I also tried out the hat in an extended period of rain. I, I'd say maybe a solid half hour of rain coming down. I was wearing my uh, Columbia rain jacket. It's a, a lower end, you know, like $60 item. Um, so it's not one of the real high-tech rain jackets. And it wets out actually pretty quickly. Uh, by the time I was done with this half hour or so in the rainstorm, my jacket was wetted out enough to where it was starting to come through to the inside. My Tilly hat had the wetted out appearance on the top, but it hadn't soaked through to the inside of the hat yet. And as I looked at where it was wetted out, I noticed that eventually what would happen is 
the water would start to wet out, or the hat would start to wet out at the edge of the brim and probably work its way in a little bit underneath the brim. But because it's not cotton, it's nylon, it doesn't wick the water in. So it would take quite a while for the inside of the hat to really get wet. So even though I wouldn't say it's waterproof, I'd say that you can go out in a pretty good extended period of rain and it's going to keep a lot of that rain off. Well, we talk a lot about multi-use gear. Does this hat have more than one use? I suppose I could use it to hold my driver's license and a little bit of cash, although I tend to think that may be a little risky. So I like to keep that stuff in my pack. What do you think? Well, I've heard that it can be used to drain pasta. Mmm. And you don't even have to salt the pasta first. (laughs) Sorry. No, we actually did use the hat as a multi-use item. We used it as a screen so our kids wouldn't be grossed out when we kissed. And it worked. Just kind of hold it up and... (laughs) <laughs> it's kind of you need to give people instructions about how to use the hat you just hold for kissing it. <laughs> <laughs> oh brother it worked well anyway so that's the tilly airflow hat as a non-hat guy i gotta say i've been really loving this hat and we'll put the link for this hat in the show notes canadians have just such a funny now funny is not the word maybe quirky <laughs> just adorable sense of humor. I love Canadians. And so check out the website. There are some true gems on that page. I love the user, the little user manual that comes with this hat. I mean, it talks about the history of Mr. Tilly going out sailboating and needing the perfect hat to go with his perfect yacht. And it it, it explains his his sailing yacht. And anyway, it's just, it's so cleverly written. It's worth a read in and of itself. For today's backpack hack of the week, we have a special mnemonic for bear attacks. A mnemonic is like a memory tool, just something to help you remember what to do so you don't have to remember what to do. The National Park Service, nps.gov, says each bear and each experience is unique. There's no single strategy that will work in all situations and that guarantees safety. Most bear encounters end without injury. Following some basic guidelines may help to lessen the threat of danger. Your safety can depend on your ability to calm the bear. When you arrive in a park, always remember to check with the nearest visitor center or backcountry office for the latest bear safety information. Now, when it comes to bears, the big thing is trying to remember black bears versus grizzly bears. So that's what this mnemonic is for. Yeah, and each bear has its own personality. Black bears are smaller. They're not necessarily black colored, and they have a much larger habitat throughout the United States. Grizzly bears are the really large ones with that special distinctive hump on their back, typically more of a brown color, but just much larger than a black bear. And they have a much smaller range in the United States, just certain areas where you'll run into them. If you come across a black bear and it turns into a confrontation, here's what you need to remember. For black, yak and attack. So yak means to be loud. It's okay to bang pots, to throw things, to fight, but do not play dead. This bear is going to be probably about as tall as you probably weigh twice as much as you, maybe three times as much. But with black bears, those are the ones that you want to try to intimidate. So with black, yak and attack. With grizzlies, 
get your Z's. So that means face down, hands behind your neck, lay down on the ground. So it's nap time. Get your Z's and play dead. Not only play dead, but stay dead until the bear has left the area. In fact, with grizzlies, you do not want to fight back or the intensity will increase. So do you remember the mnemonic, Josh? Yeah, so black, yak, and attack. Grizzlies, get your Z's. Well, I really hope no one has to use this, but if you do have to use it, I hope it helps. And we'll leave you today with a little trail wisdom from our good friend on the trail, Henry David Thoreau. He said, Live in each season as it passes. Breathe the air, drink the drink, taste the fruit, and resign yourself to the influence of the earth. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you liked this podcast, then get outside or start planning your next adventure. We'll see you next time on the first 40 miles. enjoyed this hat. Is it because I told you that you look 10% more attractive when you wear this hat? Is that part of it? Maybe? Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a rhyme. What do I say? It is a, is it? yeah. A mnemonic is like a, a mnemonic. Uh, okay. You know, you're a, you're backpacker? a backpacking <laughs> podcast host. <laughs> when you tell a story and you start trailing off. <laughs>